Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. <clears throat> we appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire, um, where we allow you to call in, make your ask Bible questions, make comments, discuss the Bible. We don't even mind the fact that if you have a slight disagreement, uh, if you're kind, we're going to consider what you have to say. And, and as long as we all realize the rules of the game in this case is that is it's not really a game. And that is that the Bible settles the answer. You know, Proverbs 28, verse 26, helps us to see that the Bible settles the answer. It says this, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And I'm afraid a lot of believers are trusting in their own heart instead of trusting in God and His Word. I've heard some say, Well, I know in my heart I'm saved even though they haven't really done what the Bible says to do to be saved. That's not the way one knows he's saved. Let me read you two or three passages. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 2, 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him... Verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. So the way we know we are saved is by keeping His commandments, not by some feeling we have in our heart. <clears throat> Phil <clears throat> from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. I have a question about baptism, and I want to say up front I completely disagree with what your answer is going to be, but here's the question. With this uh, COVID-19 going on and churches being closed and social distancing, it's going to make it very, very difficult for people to be baptized because it's kind of hard to be ba- baptized when you're six feet away. My question is, will, do you believe that this will prevent many people from going to heaven because of uh, COVID-19? Phil, that's a very good question. You know, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And so there's no doubt that a person has to be baptized to be saved. That's not under dispute if you believe the Word of God. Unless you just want to call Jesus a liar and say, No, Jesus is lying or Jesus was wrong when he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And I don't think even Phil wants to do that. So it's very clear a person has to be baptized to be saved. Now what about the restriction of six feet? Well, I believe that we ought to stay six feet away. And I'm trying very careful to stay six feet away from anybody that's not in my immediate family. But I would make an exception to that if somebody wanted to be baptized because their eternal destiny, their soul depends upon it. You know, Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So a person cannot get the forgiveness, the remission of sins, unless he's baptized. So I would make an exception to the six-feet social distancing rule to baptize somebody. No doubt about it. Now, Phil's sort of part B of the question was, is this going to keep people from being saved, the uh, coronavirus? Well, I think it's going to hurt some and it's going to help some. It's going to hurt because it's keeping people from going to church. And that church, a lot of times, that's where people learn about the Lord. But there are other places to learn about the Lord. And I've noticed that people 
seemed to be willing, more willing to have uh, a Bible study with me. I think everybody's heard me offer on this program a phone Bible study. You, we, you agree to have a Bible study? I call you on the phone because you're probably too far away to study face-to-face anyway. Study by the phone for an hour. More people are willing, possibly because they have more time on their hands, because a lot of us are getting bored stiff sitting around the house trying to stay away from everybody. <laughs> so it might actually help people. More people learn the gospel and understand they need to believe and be baptized. Mark sixteen sixteen. That baptism does also now save us. First Peter three twenty one. But to learn what Ananias told Saul in Acts twenty two sixteen, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. More people will learn about the gospel and want to be baptized because they have more time to study the Bible. So there's some good things and there's some bad things uh, about uh, regarding the coronavirus as it relates to 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 the spread of the gospel. I think. Anton from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? I hope you're well. Hey, I'm doing, I'm staying healthy. How about you, old friend? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, I hope everybody's, I hope everybody's being safe during this difficult time. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, we're fine. We're, we're, uh, uh, I'm, I'm part of the group that has to move freight around and so we're trying to do our best to, uh, stay healthy and safe and, uh, and, I'm sure that uh, so you're good. probably more busy than you used than you normally are since you were driving that truck, right? Pretty pretty steady, yes. Okay, uh, Patrick, I missed I missed part of the uh, of your answer about the uh, baptism question uh, that uh, our friend Phil had. But uh, my question is this: I, I've heard you say in the past that uh, you know uh, not not being in church on Sunday is is a sin like it's uh it's uh not it's it's like i think that's the way you said it it was it was a sin every time the church door is open a christian has to be in church is that yes hebrews 10 25 yeah hebrews 10 25 is a command not just a suggestion anton it says that commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together hebrews 10 25 yes so we right. we shouldn't so, just skip so, church. How how do you reconcile? I mean, uh, you're you're probably I I should have asked you. Do do you uh, still assemble in, at this time or? Uh, or yeah, we're still assembling. We're still assembling. We're still assembling. Oh, you are mm-hmm. in church. Yes, but when I say that it's a sin for somebody to miss church, it's, let's say somebody has a heart attack and they're in the hospital having heart surgery. I don't think they're sinning because they missed church then. Let's say somebody gets put in jail because they're preaching the gospel and they can't attend church. I don't think they're sinning then. So that that the coronavirus is not going to mitigate against the fact that Hebrews 10.25 is saying that we have to attend church. Yes, it's a sin not to attend church. George from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I, now, this question is pretty strong. Uh, now, don't the Bible say... Uh, that God made uh, flesh Jesus? Well, the Bible says in John 1 and verses 1 and 14 that the Word was in the beginning, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, verse 14. So 
That's talking about Jesus. So Jesus was God, and then when he came to earth, he was made flesh. Is that what you're talking about, George? Yes, uh uh-huh. Okay. Now, he does say it's an enemy to God, ain't he? He what? Didn't uh, didn't God tell tell the world that that this flesh is an enemy to, to him? And if that's so, why did he make Jesus? I don't recall a passage that says that. Now I remember the word enmity in uh, in Ephesians two fourteen through sixteen, referring to the Old Testament law and Jesus abolishing that law when he died it was called an enmity the king james way of saying enemy i don't actually remember the bible saying our flesh is the enmity that doesn't mean it's not in there i just don't remember it george do you know the verse you're you're talking about no i just know it's it's got to be there so so the, the the flesh is not really the enemy but we can allow the flesh to be the enemy like the bible talks about the tongue it says, no, no man can t- tame the tongue. You can't take a tiger and tame a tiger. You can tape a, take a dog and tame a dog. Now, this is in James chapter 3 where it says no man can tame the tongue. But, but a tiger you can't tame, but you can control a tiger if you put it in a cage. So you can control the tongue. So the flesh can become... Jesus? Why would he make... He, Jesus, the Bible teaches that he was... That God made him he turned he became a man hebrews um, chapter uh verse 17 of chapter 2 says wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to god to make reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself having suffered being tempted he is able to succor them that are tempted so, so, so there's a number of reasons Jesus became flesh, but this is highlighting one of the major reasons so that he could empathize with us. He could sympathize with us. He could understand what we're having to go through. Does that make sense, George? Well, ain't Jesus all in your head, in your mind? No, we have the Bible is a historical book, and it talks quite a bit about Jesus. And, and... Many other books talk about Jesus, secular books. So he's an actual historical figure. And the Bible, Jesus claims that he was the Son of God, and it's up to us to believe that he's the Son of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Robert from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, how you doing? Um... I was just curious about you, you. You mentioned something about that we had to, you know, show up at a place. Um, last time I checked, it was uh, the congregation was not a building. It was a. Uh, it was God's people, which makes up the congregation. That's right. Can you explain That's that right. for me? Yeah, you 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 know you're exactly right that the church is the people. But then the Bible talks about, say for example, the second half of 1 Corinthians 11, Robert, is talking about the Lord's Supper and some things that the Corinthian congregation was doing wrong at the Lord's Supper. And he says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 11, 
He says, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, they were were supposed to be eating the Lord's Supper, but they weren't doing it correctly. So the Bible talks about a, a church, which is the people, not the building, not the place per se, but the congregation coming together, the church coming together in one place, and they worship God together. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about they may do singing, they may do praying. Uh, 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 1 Corinthians 14, as a matter of fact, in verse 23 says, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place. So when I was quoting Hebrews 10.25 that commands us to assemble with the saints, I was talking about what these passages in 1 Corinthians uh, 11 and 14 are talking about. When this congregation, the people, come together together and worship God, we ought to be there because, you know, I love to watch Alabama football, but if Alabama football is playing while church is going on, I need to be willing to put God first and go to church and not watch Alabama football. You know what I'm saying? Robert, Amen, you got any follow-up with that? Amen. Um, you know, I was just, I just heard what you said uh, on the first half. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was just kind of baffled that you said we need to kind of come to a building and whatnot. So I was just pointing that out. Yeah, that's, you know, wherever the congregation decides to meet, whether it's a bought building like a lot of churches or just in somebody's house, if they're small, a small congregation, that's fine. There were churches in the Bible, congregations that met in the house, it looked like the church was meeting in the temple in Acts 2 because they were rather large and needed a, a larger place. But the church is the people. You're right. But the church comes together into one place. That's when we ought to be there. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. <laughs> Hebrews 10, verse no, 25. No, no. I appreciate I your call, Robert. I wasn't doubting you. It was just yeah. more or less... It was just more or less like um, I had some kind of doubt because you sat there and said that we need to communicate in a building and then all of a sudden it became like uh, uh, um, just a cover-up. I mean, I'm a believer. I'm I'm a believer. Robert, thank you for your call. Appreciate your call so much. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call again is 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. So, while we're waiting on our next call, and by the way, the lines are wide open, let's continue talking about that verse in Proverbs 28, verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And I believe a lot of people who claim to be believers are trusting in their own heart as opposed to trusting in God's Word. When it comes to relying on our feelings, the story of Joseph being sold into slavery provides an interesting test case. Joseph's brothers tricked their dad, Jacob, into thinking Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. And Genesis 37-34 says, quote, And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son 
mourning or crying. Thus his father wept for him. So, so Jacob felt in his heart as if his son was dead, but Joseph wasn't dead. This proves our feelings are not necessarily reliable. How we feel is based upon information that could be false. We should not trust in our own heart, our own feelings, Proverbs 28, 26. Only information from the Bible is completely reliable. Now, we know that we have become Christians. How do you know you become a Christian? Not based upon your feelings, but when we have done what God says to do to become a Christian. We've already quoted Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We quoted Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the question is, have you done that? Have you believed? Have you repented? Have you been baptized for the remission of sins? If you have, then you know you have been saved. And if you hadn't done that, then you know you're not saved. You see, it's not a matter of your feelings. Feelings are the result of information. That information may be true or false, and so our feelings are not reliable. If you have done what God said to do to be saved, then you're saved. If you hadn't done it, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you hadn't done it, then you're not saved. It's not a matter of your feelings. The way that you know that you've either been saved or you're not is whether or not you've done what the Bible says to do to be saved. And then when you do that, you're not relying upon your feelings. You're relying upon the Word of God, which is completely reliable. Tyrell from Oklahoma. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. My question is, how do you inspire someone to become an intimate relationship with God by studying the Word out for themselves and learning instead of going off of opinions? Well, you know, the Bible says, Tyrell, in Romans 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And so what I like to do, Tyrell, is call it divine persuasion. I'm turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Verse 10 has been talking about the judgment day. In, in, in judgment day, we're going to be judged based upon whether what we've done, good or bad, verse 10. But it says in verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So what we try to do to try to convert somebody to Christ, to try to have a, we say, intimate relationship with Him, I'll call it trusting and obeying Him, is we use God's Word, which is divine argumentation which makes it perfect if it were just my arguments they would be imperfect divine argumentation we're using the bible the bible that argumentation comes from god and we try to persuade them to become obedient to god now tyrell does that answer your question yes sir so the key here is the key here is the word of god thank you for your call tyrell do you have any follow-up yes you have a follow-up question tyrell so the key here is realizing that, that Ephesians 6.17 says the, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The people talk about the Holy Spirit uh, trying to persuade them to become a Christian, influencing them to become a Christian. Well, sometimes they may be misinformed, but that statement in and of itself is right. The Holy Spirit does influence us to become a Christian, but it's not some small, still voice going through our head something unreliable like that. The Holy Spirit persuades us to become a Christian or influences us to become a Christian through what He wrote, through what He revealed. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17. 
Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We are called by the Gospel, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. So the way that God persuades us to be a Christian is not talking to us directly. If He talked to everybody directly, it would be chaos. Instead, He revealed one standard, the Bible, in particular for us today, the New Testament. And then that New Testament, as we read and study it, persuades us to be a faithful Christian. Now, it doesn't force us. It leaves us a choice, but it gives us ample persuasion persuasion, so that any honest-hearted person that wants to serve the Lord will know how to serve the Lord, can trust and obey the Lord and receive salvation from their sins. You know, we're talking about not trusting in our own heart. Proverbs 26, verse 28. 28, 26. God gives us a conscience to help guide us in doing right, but if our conscience has not been trained properly by the Word of God, then even our conscience can lead us astray. And Paul provides a case in point. But let me mention the number again to call. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. If you have a Bible question or comment, you can call us right now. The lines are wide open. 877-655-6755. Here's Acts 2, Acts 9, 1 and 2, talking about Saul. It says, And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So Saul was a conscientious Jew, uh, uh, so conscientious in what he thought he should do, so zealous that he was persecuting Christians. But in Acts 23.1, Paul's talking about his life in the past, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And so, even though Saul was persecuting Christians, he thought he was doing what was right. His conscience basically told him he was doing what was right. But see, he was misinformed. He had the wrong information. His conscience was not trained right. And that's why the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus miraculously. And he ended up learning from Ananias the way of God more perfectly. And when he found it out, his zealousness turned toward the truth. Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias told him, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we can't trust in our own heart. We can't trust in our own conscience because our conscience may have been taught wrong, may have been trained improperly like Saul's. You know, he thought he was doing what was right. He, he, he didn't do anything to ever to violate his conscience. But he was doing wrong because his conscience was trained wrong. He was trusting in his own heart. So the Bible says instead of trusting in our own heart, we need to trust in God's Word. That's the authority. And that will never let us down. That's always the right information. The information coming from the Bible. Alex from Michigan, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. Joseph mentioned about attending church being a sin, and I guess my question for you is under, and you said uh, the current COVID-19 pandemic is not an excuse and it's still a sin by not attending church, for those of us who are in states that are not allowed to attend together in church and doing online services, is that considered a sin then? Well, I didn't actually say that. Remember, what I said was if you're sick, you don't sin 
by not attending church. So, for example, if you had the coronavirus, I'm not saying it's a sin not to attend church. And I'm not necessarily saying that churches, what they're doing is sin. Now, I might not feel comfortable with some of the things that are going on. The church I'm worshiping with, we're still attending. But I'm not necessarily saying that under these times, it's a sin. If you, you, you attend the, the church as your congregation uh, arranges it. I was talking about the question was raised, it is a sin not to attend church. We're talking about when there's no coronavirus problem at all. We're not talking about when there's a coronavirus problem. Let me mention again, during this time when, when everybody's got extra time on their hand, why not study the Bible more? And that's why I think I would like you to accept my offer of a one-hour phone Bible study. Call or text me at 256 682 9753 if you would like to do a one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience. 256-682-9753.